This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence, and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology, and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. Hello there, how are you doing? I hope all's going well with you. Competitor analysis is the theme for the show and it's really important. It can help us do all sorts of great things. It can help us to sharpen and define our value proposition. It can help us level up and do an even better job for our target customers. And comparisonitis is what we want to avoid. It's not about that. It's really about learning and curating and seeing what we can do to really move ourselves forward. And it's about following trends as well. So I hope you really enjoy the show. I want you to let me know what you're thinking. Do you do competitor analysis? Do you follow them closely? If so, how? Or is it something that you don't do, either because you choose not to or because you really don't have the time or maybe you've not thought of it? So we're going to explore all of that in the show and as always I'd love to hear your comments and your thoughts. I love this quote, if you know the enemy and know yourself you need not fear a hundred battles and The Art of War which is the book that this comes from by Sun Tzu which is a really ancient book on war and war strategy. It's often used in the context of competitor analysis and really sort of fighting for space in the marketplace. And yes, competitor analysis is about a battle of of gaining customers, but it doesn't have to be. I think that's actually quite a dated approach. And I wanted to start with that, really, to say that, you know, the world's moved on and we can, at times, as long as we do it in the right way, we can also collaborate with competitors as well. And it's really about, you know, if I think I like the expression, a rising tide raises all boats and it's what we can do wherever possible and appropriate to really learn from and help each other as well. And the mission for this show is to create some space and insight for you to just step back from the day-to-day and think about competitor analysis for your own business and think about how that competitor analysis might support your innovation and your growth. And maybe you work with other businesses to help them with their growth as well and it might help you to think through some ideas for your work with them as well. Either way, I really hope it's useful. We'll get started. So the agenda is I'm going to talk about the context that competitor analysis takes place in because we're all doing business in a changing world. So we're going to touch on that. I'm then going to dive into what is competitor analysis and share my seven-step competitor analysis process. There's a lot of old school, business school, management school type thinking from sort of the 90s and 2000s that's around still. This is pragmatic, it's useful, it's focused, it's with integrity and so just a very lean way of doing it. So that's what we'll be into a bit more. And then we'll sort of see where we are and how we take it forward from there. So to get started, the context is, and you've heard me talk about this in different ways from an innovation perspective, 
The world's always changing and that means that there are changing customer needs and changing competitor activity. And we've seen that, haven't we, through 2020 and into 2021. And as we're moving forward now in 2021 and hopefully in the summer, in bounce back summer, the world will be changing again. And this means that your business needs to keep up. It needs to keep innovating and changing in order to be able to respond and really do well in the environment that's around it. And looking at what your competitors are doing is a really important part of tracking that change and picking up on any trends. And some of these trends, these are from the Mintel Global Trends Report for 2021. These trends have been defined globally as what we need to look out for in 2021 and further ahead. And the first one is about health and about well-being and how brands have got a responsibility in the eyes of consumers to actually think about well-being, to set new rules and to really look after people in all aspects. So health undefined is one of those external trends. Another external trend that we're seeing is around collective empowerment and that's really enabled and facilitated of course by social media. But this whole movement of wanting to do good, of of people coming together to make change, to be change makers, to speak with one voice. And this is about agency, rights, equality. And we've seen that, haven't we, with Black Lives Matter and other campaigns as well and other activities and other movements. And that's really great to see is that actually people are coming together, sharing a voice and aiming to make the world a better place. People's priorities have shifted from the COVID stage in that we're going back to basics, being more careful with money, but also being more careful about the planet in terms of what we use, what we recycle, we're repairing, before we're buying more, we're mending. We're sort of thinking, do we really need those things? There is a whole group, different groups of society are actually becoming a lot more conscious as consumers of what they're spending and why and aiming to really reduce consumption in general. And some of that's to do with the economy as well. Coming together, the sense of community, We've again, we've seen this through 2020 and sort of into 2021 as well, but especially, I think, at the beginning of lockdown from March onwards last year, this is people coming together to support each other, create a sense of community. And it's not just pandemic related. We're seeing it with people having similar interests or who are trying to achieve similar things. And that's also facilitated by the online environment, as well as it happening in the physical environment as well. Virtual lives is another theme because we've been physically separated. We've been doing a lot more work virtually. We've been connecting socially, virtually as well. And this means that more and more people are going towards digital experiences. And actually the use of digital has accelerated. Estimates are by around about five years that we've advanced in terms of our use of virtual technology in our daily lives and in our work lives too. And sustainable spaces, we've been spending more time at home, we've started to appreciate the environment around us, we're looking after it more, we want to make it better, but we also want to make it green, sustainable, again connecting in with the environmental theme and the theme of well-being as well. And then we're nearly there with these themes, but there's digital dilemmas, it's great being connected, it's great having a virtual connection with people, but there's also the sense that we're always on. And how do we really separate work and life? How do we get that digital detox 
and sometimes leave our phones and technology behind. So digital's great, but it's also putting consumers into a predicament. So they're really great um, and useful trends from that Mintel 2021 Global Trends Report. And all of these changes mean that we need to look at the model that we're operating who we're creating value for and how we're creating that value, the way in which we deliver our offer to customers and how we actually monetize that and and charge for it and get revenue and so on. And the competitor analysis sits in all that context of the change around us. And if we don't look at what's going on around us, and again, you know, I, I, I can't say this too often because it is so important what happens is we we start to drift away from where we need to be in the marketplace and then it's really really hard to get back it's really expensive to get back to where we need to be as well so we need to do this we need to think about competitors if not we can get complacency we can look traditional or old-fashioned compared to others and we'll not be innovating and changing in the way that we need to As always, disrupt or be disrupted, look for opportunities. And by doing competitor analysis, then you will find opportunities for sure. So what is competitor analysis? Well, all it is is where you take a look uh, to evaluate the strengths and weaknesses of what your competitors are doing. You look at their strategies, you work out what they're doing, and you see how you can use those insights to enhance your own business strategy. And what we're doing here today and the, the approach I advocate is to do that through the customer focus. So to do that through the customer's eyes. It's not about saying this business is doing that, that one is doing that, and making those head-to-head comparisons. It's about thinking, how are these businesses that are competitors of yours, and how is your business, how is each delivering for its customer, and how good a job is it doing of serving those needs? So that's where we're coming from, really. We're putting on a customer hat rather than doing what I would call a classical head-to-head analysis of businesses and what each one's doing. Now, the benefits of spending a little bit of time in doing some customer analysis, and it's not just a one-off that you do, you need to keep doing it because obviously things keep changing, are that it can help you nail down or create your unique selling proposition, your value proposition, your differentiators. It means you can better understand current market trends and that will make you more valuable to customers and more knowledgeable when you're dealing with customers as well. You can target your customer base more effectively. You can find untapped areas that nobody's serving and do a good job of going for those. You can sort of use it as a sense check for how you're doing. Again, we're avoiding comparisonitis. But if the market is down for everybody, then you know that that's a general thing. If everybody else is doing okay and you're struggling or vice versa, you know you're doing something really, really right and different. Or maybe there's something you can learn to do even better. And you can find gaps and errors and learning. It's all about learning. It's not about saying my business isn't as good as their business or my business is better than their business. It's all about healthy learning, a growth mindset and looking at where we can improve. So you're learning to create opportunity and it's not about copying. It's about outperforming, finding gaps and opportunities and looking for spots in which you can innovate. Be savvy, be smart, because you could actually spend so much time looking at competitors that you know you get sucked into a hole of looking what everybody else is doing and not thinking about what you're doing yourself. So be savvy, be selective, and avoid comparisonitis at all costs. 
So the seven step process that I mentioned earlier to really work through a competitor analysis is this. The first step is to think who they are. And I'm going to go through each of these steps in more detail in a moment. I'm just going to give you the the roadmap first of what the seven steps are, and then we'll dive into each one and I'll share how you could do this. So the first one, who are your competitors? I see so many business people dive into doing a competitor analysis and they've not really just stopped for a moment and thought, who really am I competing with? Who are the ones that matter? Who are the ones I need to look at and why? And knowing that and thinking about that is the first step. Then you can think about how do your products and services compare as step number two. Think about, is there any additional intelligence that you need about your competitors? And and if so, why? You could go chasing around and looking at all sorts of information, but I think it's much smarter to identify what you need to know and why, and then try and find that out. And you'll go there much quicker. You'll spend a lot less time doing it and you'll learn more because you'll be more focused rather than getting sucked into rabbit holes. Then you go and get the intelligence, combine it with everything else that you know about customers, because really what competitors are doing is one piece in the jigsaw. You need to put it together with what the market's doing more broadly with what the change in the world around is doing and also what your customers wants and needs are as they're evolving too so you put it together into a toolkit of information find the gaps and opportunities and then use those gaps and opportunities to create your competitive differentiation so when thinking about step one who are your competitors the first area to think about are existing markets. So who's in your market already? And what I'm going to share with you now are Porter's five forces. And there are three of them that are particularly relevant. So Porter's five forces is really like a checklist for you to think through in terms of how attractive an industry or a market is to be in from a selling perspective. So let's say we're in the business of pizzas so we have a pizza takeaway delivery service and also a pizza restaurant is our business so using the porter's five forces analysis we would think about what is the customer's bargaining power and the supplier bargaining power so that means how much influence over the business do customers have and how much influence do suppliers have they're not as relevant here in our competitor analysis but that just means what level of choice do customers have and they have a pretty big level of choice and also suppliers you can change suppliers so their supplier bargaining power would be medium because you can buy pizza dough and flour and tomato puree from all sorts of places so supplier bargaining power is probably pretty low to medium from a competitor analysis the three elements of porter's five forces that we're interested in are firstly competition that exists so your direct rivals who are they who are the other pizza takeaway businesses that operate in your location or in your environment we would also look at from a competition point of view what substitutes are there now a substitute is something that your product or service could be replaced with so if you take a pizza delivery it could be any other form of takeaway delivery service so substitutes are other options Um, They're not just direct other options as well. We could get a pizza, you know, the, the customer could get a pizza out of the freezer or make a pizza at home or even not have a takeaway delivered at all. 
So they're all examples of, of substitutes and it could be quite helpful to think that through. And also, who are the new ones, the new entrants? Who are the new potential competitors that are entering the market as well? So that's useful to use as a bit of a checklist. And also think about where is there a blue ocean space? Is there some space that you could occupy that none of your competitors are in? This is blue ocean strategy, which is where you have a nice slice of the market, a nice space, more or less all to yourself, because what you're doing is so valuable and so different from what everybody else is doing, that you can get some clear blue water between you and the competition. So think it through, you know, map it out, visualize it, use post-it notes, use sticky notes, draw it, doodle, mind map it, because by seeing how all your competitors are sitting visually, then you'll be able to see where those opportunities are. And when you're thinking about them, remember you've got primary competition, even with your direct competition, there are different levels. So primary competition, head to head more or less, targeting the same customer group with the same products or services. So they're your main competitors. Then you've got secondary competition, which might be offering a high-end or a low-end version of what it is that you do. And then tertiary competition, they are related items. So they're not directly the same as you, but they are complementary. So let's take an example. So let's say I'm a pizza restaurant. We'll do the same example. In my pizza takeaway, the primary competition are the other takeaways. The secondary competition, it might be the really low-end version or the five-star upmarket Italian restaurant. They're doing pizzas in Italian takeaway, but they're doing it at a different level. They're in a different sort of space and slightly targeting different customers. And then other things that might be tertiary competition uh, who might be good to collaborate with might be the off-license. It might be you know, the people who are selling the wine or it might be the, the ice cream parlour so that you could collaborate and have a whole offer around pizza, wine and ice cream. What's not to like? That sounds awesome. That sounds like a really good combo. And it's about as well thinking about where they are, not just who they are and what they're doing, but how well they're performing and what you can learn from them. I really like this mapping tool, which is Gartner's Magic Quadrants, where on one axis we have the completeness of vision that your competitor has. And on another axis, the vertical one, there is the ability to execute. And that drives out different categories of competition as well. So a visionary has a really well-developed vision, but is yet working out how to get there. So they know where they're going, but they haven't nailed it yet in terms of putting those ideas into practice. Then there are leaders, which have that completeness of vision. They're visionary, they know where they're going, they're leading the pack, and they're also fantastic. They've got their act together, when it comes to actually delivering on that vision. And you could say Apple have been leaders. They've had a really complete and very clear, compelling vision, and they've had the money, time, resources, processes, marketing, and so on to get behind that vision and make it happen. So Apple would be an example of leaders there in their category. Where you've got a smaller vision, a very specific vision and a very limited ability to execute the wider picture, that's a niche business or niche, depending on which side of the Atlantic you're on. So it's niche or niche, both are correct. 
and challenges are those that have got a really good power behind them in terms of their operations, their resources and so on, but they, they're not as visionary as the others, but they have, you know, they have the ability to come through. And we've seen that with Samsung. Over recent years, Samsung has really given Apple a good run for their money because they didn't have the original vision, but they had all the resources and technology and so on, and so could actually create a vision and compete with Apple. Now, one thing about where there's space, you know, when a business that's working with me says, you know, we've no competitors, nobody else is doing anything like we're doing. I think one of three things. One, I don't think you've looked properly is an option. Two, that's because you're really onto a winner. If nobody's doing it and there's a cracking space there, go for it. And three, the reason why there's a space there is because there's no demand for it and it will be very, very hard to create any demand for it. Think about the the Sinclair C5. It's really about thinking if there's no competition around, think why that is and think, have you looked and thought about it properly? And is it a real opportunity or is it there because nobody actually wants the things that you are looking to create and sell and test it? Do some small testing if that's the case to find out if there could be some demand or not. And just really do a very structured comparison of how your business's products and services compare to those primary competitors for sure. The ones that you see as being your main rivals in terms of winning customers, you're going after the same people with a similar proposition and do a comparison on price, quality, innovation, customer service and speed. Try and do it with specific evidenced information rather than just your perception because your perception may be off. You're seeing that business and what they offer through a certain mindset and with certain eyes and actually try and be objective and find the information out and I'll show you how you can do that so don't just sit down there and you know with a pen and paper and guess it's okay to start like that and then you can test your assumptions but make sure you really do check what's going on rather than just assuming think about step number three is you've done all of that and have you got any gaps were as you were starting to go through that process was there any additional intelligence on that business or on those competitors that you feel you need and why and make a note of that and have a think about how you might get that and there are some different ways of getting that for sure but when you're thinking about the whole customer analysis piece think about the whole customer journey from awareness from how that business is making itself known how it's getting customers interested and hooking them in and getting them into the sales funnel so that customers will buy what the purchase process is like, how your competitors are retaining those customers and what's happening with those businesses in terms of getting customers to recommend, do testimonials, refer friends, recommend online and all of those sorts of things. So think about every stage of the customer process. There's too much competitor analysis that happens just when people are looking at what's going on on social media. Well, that will give you a certain amount of information, but it definitely doesn't give you the full picture. And unless you actually buy something from your competitors on social media, it doesn't give you what the whole customer journey experience is like. And that's what you need to be thinking about. It's the whole experience. It's not just the product or the service on its own you need to look at. You need to look at the whole offering. 
And how do you get this intelligence? Well, you could look at some industry research. There's some public research out there, some paid research, getting onto Google and looking for some industry reports. Maybe you're a member of an industry association. You can buy some intelligence. So the Mintel Global Trends for 2021 report that I highlighted earlier and that I referred to, that's a free document that you can download. Google Mintel Global Trend Report 2021 and you'll be able to just download the full thing. But there are some other really detailed Mintel reports on specific sectors that cost money to buy but can show you how much people are spending, how they're spending, what choices they're making within a specific category. Obviously, websites, social media, although you know the number of businesses that don't look at their competitors' social media or websites, and I think you should be doing that at least once a month, just checking in five, ten minutes over a coffee to see what's going on. Their annual reports, you can have a look, and it depends on the size of the business in terms of how much information is available, and of course, there'd need to be a registered company at company's house, but have a look and see how they're performing. For bigger competitors, sometimes they have their strategies inside their annual reports. So it's a good source of information in terms of what's going on. Set up Google alerts for competitors' names so that you get notified every time that business appears in the news or puts something out onto the internet. And look at following them in the media as well, the traditional and the online media. Have a look at their online customer support threads and reviews see what customers are saying, see what they're complaining about, see what they're liking, see what their star ratings are and and what people are actually saying in the comment. That can give you a good opportunity. So if a competitor is doing a really bad job in one area, you might want to up your marketing and, and let customers know what a great job you're doing in that area too. Um, networking, getting out there, talking to other people in the industry, networking with customers and people who are in the same sector as you, actually commissioning some customer research, or even just sitting down uh, and spending an hour a month ringing around customers and, and booking in some time with different customers and talking to them about what they're finding about your products and services, and maybe just gently asking, do they consider any others? Do they use any others? Why do they choose yours over somebody else's? And so on. What do your sales team say? Because your sales team will get direct feedback. You could do some mystery shopping and actually buy the product or service for yourself and have the whole experience. If you feel that would be too revealing to say that it, you know, for you to do it yourself, you could ask somebody else who has nothing to do with your business or your competitor's business to do that and report back. Subscribe to their blogs and newsletters monitor the recruitment because that will give you an idea for where they're going and where they're investing and look at niche organizations and online communities so facebook groups for instance linkedin groups those sorts of areas will will tell you what's going on as well so there's lots of things you can do and this doesn't have to take a long time unless you buy those really big industry reports you know and spend on those This doesn't have to cost you very much money, if any money at all. It's just a little bit of time and a bit of thought. And then when you've got all of this, steps five and six, combine the competitor intelligence with your customer needs and trends and identify gaps and opportunities for innovation and competitive advantage. And I like to sort of this stage do a SOAR analysis, S-O-A-R, which stands for strengths, opportunities, aspirations 
and results. It's a nice alternative to a SWOT. In a SOAR analysis, the opportunities absorbs the weaknesses and threats from a SWOT. So that's where you pick it up and you think about what you want to achieve and what results will help you demonstrate that you're on the way to achieving those. So think about, sit down and think about your strengths. Where are there opportunities? What do you want to achieve? And how are you going to measure those achievements? And then it's really about creating that competitive differentiation. It's about looking at what you can improve, how you can level up and putting the plan that you've created in steps five and six into action. And remember that with competitive differentiation, you need to be able to sustain it. So if you're going for it, make sure that you can keep it up for the duration. Make sure it truly is distinctive. What's very important is that you think about how you communicate it. Make sure it can be communicated clearly because it's no good making fabulous changes or introducing awesome stuff if your customers don't know about it and if they don't understand or appreciate the benefits that that development can bring. And make sure that whatever you do, customers value the distinction enough to pay for it. And you might want to check out my earlier show that I did on how to create your value proposition, which will help you with that as well. And I hope that's helpful. There's loads more resources on my website, bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. So thank you for your company. I'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.